0: Hello to all you beautiful souls out there. I'm Kara Lachlan, and you're listening to Have Your Cake and Eat It Too. Why this title for my podcast, you may ask? Have you ever thought about why you think the way you do and do the things you do? What I will be delving into in my podcast is what I've learned and I'm still pondering about the way we think say and do certain things, and most especially how it can help or hinder you from living your best life and being your truest self. My question to you is this, why can't you have your cake and eat it too? Food for thought, literally. I'm Carol Lachland, your host of Have Your Cake and Eat It Too, and the quote for the day is from William Shakespeare. Self-love, my liege, is not so vile a sin as self-neglecting. With that being said, let's talk about words that have been signed in negative connotation. Words themselves are not good or bad, positive or negative. They're given those particular labels by us. By society and how we perceive the word. Let's take the word selfish, for example. I think we could all agree that it's one that is primarily seen as negative. We've been told to not be selfish, to share, to think of others first, that morally it is better to be selfless than selfish. How can you be so selfish? You're spoiled rotten. Don't hog the blanket. Don't take more than your share or a second helping. My question to you is being selfish really all that bad? Here's the definition of selfish lacking consideration for others, concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure, concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself. Seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regard for others. I want to break it down a little further and look at the word self. The definition of self is a person's essential being that distinguishes them from others. The set of someone's characteristics, such as personality and ability, that are not physical and make that person different from other people. Another definition is who you are deep down, your identity. And if we look at the other half of the word selfish and we look at the ending, ish, ish means of or relating to. So by mere definition, selfish means of or relating to yourself. If we look at also some of the synonyms, which is they are the words that mean kind of the same thing and can be used instead of the word selfish, we have egocentric, self-absorbed, self-obsessed, and interestingly enough, self-loving or self-concerned. And if we look at the words that are opposites, the antonyms, we have Generous, self-denying, self-sacrificing, selfish, selfless, and unselfish. These are words that are primarily seen as a good character trait to have. So at first, when you look at these definitions, the word selfish is technically a bad word or something that you don't want to be because no one wants to be self-absorbed, self-obsessed, egocentric. You know, those are all words that are said of people that don't care about anyone else. What I notice though, is that selfish also means self-loving and focusing on oneself. So if that's the case, self-loving means to take time to get to know yourself. And when you do that, you will inherently know how to help others. And it will help others when you know and love yourself because you will shine your love and light on everyone else by essence of you being you. The most important relationship you will have is with yourself If you don't know yourself or love yourself, take time to be selfish and not to consider others in your decisions. How can you be generous or giving if you're not included in that equation? If you're not included in quote unquote others, if you haven't learned to give to yourself and get your needs met, where are you giving from? Now, selfish is not a good or bad word in itself. There are two ways of being selfish. That's how I see it. There's non-healthy ways of being selfish and healthy ways of being selfish. To be selfish in a healthy way is to take time out for you even if someone else needs you at that moment and find out what you need to heal and be whole. To be selfish in a non-healthy way, for example, is when someone steals from someone else because they want what someone else has or they feel they can't have it any other way. One way benefits you And another way harms others. So there's a difference. And here is what I also figured out. The most selfish people who did not get their needs met, and they end up taking from others or harming others to get what they need. And those that are considered unselfish or selfless also don't get their needs met because they're told not to take too much for themselves inevitably, being at the mercy of those that are selfish who end up up taking from them. Therefore, no one gets their needs met truly. What a vicious cycle. And if we take it a step further and we look at the physical of the idea that we live in our body and we're with ourselves 24-7, but how much time do we actually spend in that body and with ourselves finding out what we want, what we desire And how to love ourselves outside of what we think other people have told us that we should desire or be. And now, let's talk about me. I spent most of my life, up until a few years ago, dragging myself and my body along for the ride. I only was thinking about what I was supposed to be doing according to what others had told me. My identity, myself, was wrapped up in what I call the good girl facade. Unselfish, generous, giving of myself, selfless, self-sacrificing, caring, good, obeying, the helper, non-sexual, not lustful. I mean, I could go on and on with the things that were in my idea of who I thought I was or what I thought my personality was. And how did that turn out for me? Well, I ended up in a cult and my body breaking down to the point of exhaustion and I'm still healing from that. So how did I end up in a cult, you may ask? First of all, no one signs up for a cult. Um, It's a particular group or organization that you decide has the doctrine or mindset you subscribe to and believe is a worthy cause. And in order to be considered a cult, the said group organization has three major characteristics. Number one is a charismatic leader who holds most, if not all, of the power over the group. Number two, it cuts members off from the rest of the world. Three, it has an apocalyptic message demanding reform now. There's a more extensive list, but this lists the three main items for frame of reference. And I don't want you to get caught up in the cult piece of my story, and it can be very interesting. And I do want people to ask more questions, and I will go, you know, deeper into all of that. What I want you to take note of is what happened to me as a result of my way of thinking. So, if we take a look at each one of these pieces of the major things that deem a group or organization as a cult. If we take number one, we have a charismatic leader who holds most, if not all, of the power of the group. So the particular person who was the head of this cult was a pastor, and he was very smart and manipulative in the way that he spoke, in the way that he... He had what were called quotable quotes. They were things that were supposedly derived from the Bible, and they had Bible references to back it up, but he also didn't want us learning from other men and women of God and really didn't give us time to sit down and do Bible study alone or together. We were working most of the time. So we were supposed to carve out like at 2 a.m. in the morning when we were so exhausted, carve out time to be studying our Bible and studying the quotable quotes. And we didn't have free time to do anything other than do our jobs that we were assigned to. And then at any moment we could be called to meetings that were usually in the middle of the night also where we were, um, taught either a lesson by him, as in supposedly the word of God, or um, there were reporting meetings. And that first part about him being a charismatic leader, he had most of the power. Every single person had to answer to him. No one else could make the decisions other than him. He was also a self-made prophet. No, he didn't study under anyone else. And, you know, he supposedly got the message from God that he was a born prophet, not a made prophet. That's a story for another time. And then if we take it to number two, it cuts off members, cuts members off from the rest of the world. So I, you're in Nigeria. Um. Our passports were held in what was called the strong room. I didn't have a credit card, or I did have a credit card, but you couldn't purchase like airline tickets online. You also had to get a pass to be able to go to the internet to use it. I didn't have my own cell phone that could be connected in Nigeria. I used it when I traveled. Um, I may have had a prayer line cell phone, but you know, you, you had to purchase uh airtime on those said um phones to be able to call internationally and if i wanted to call using the phones that were in the office i had to also get a pass permission to make a phone call and even when i was making a phone call other people were listening to and reporting back to this said pastor about what i might be saying we were also discouraged to speak to our family and other people because then and not even, like, specifically in full terms told that we couldn't speak to our family. But it was more of a, you watch other people get in trouble for calling their family or wanting to, you know, go home or things like that that insinuated, of course, you know, this is the rules and this is what you don't do. Even though there was no rule book and you could get in trouble for the very thing that someone else was encouraged for the, to do the other day. So that's that number two, uh, number three, it has an apocalyptic message demanding reform now. So that goes back to, it was a biblical study of, you know, you want to, you don't know when Jesus is coming. You want to make sure you make it to heaven. You don't want to go to hell. And, um, that's the idea of the message that is preached that you want to make the changes now, because you don't know when Jesus is coming. And then, You want to redeem yourself, make sure you're in right with God, but you never know really when you're in right with God. So it's the same thing with this whole manipulation of you um, have to redeem yourself back into this pastor's good graces if you happen to do something wrong. But again, there is no real rule book. So that's a little part of what, um, and I will describe some more of this later for you. It's also part of what was the mental abuse and how you get... Technically brainwashed. And for me, all of this didn't start just when I went into that. I was already indoctrinated into don't ask questions. This is, you know, if this is a pastor and supposedly a man of God who was um, hearing from God, then you definitely want to follow his orders and what he's, you know, teaching or training you to do. So. Yeah, so then if we take it back to we talk about selfish and selfless, I was taught to be selfless. When you're selfless, that idea of not knowing anything about your own desires, because you've switched it out for someone else's, or technically you've switched it out saying, Well, you know, I want to know what God has for me, even though the desires within you are connected to your soul, which Those desires, they say are fleshly desires, they're actually desires that are put in you through the source, through God, whatever you want to call it, they are there. You squash those and you squash yourself. So selfless is not necessarily a good thing to be. Now, generous and caring and thinking of others is definitely a good thing or a um, beneficial thing for everyone. But this idea that we're supposed to be selfless is, and it's the opposite of selfish, I think there are times for us to be selfish so that we are not selfish in an unhealthy way, like I mentioned. And for me, I was the one who was selfless and I was being taken advantage of by a very selfish person. And that's the cycle. That's the vicious cycle that got me into that trap for 11 years. What I want you to take away from this is, and you, of course, I know you'll be taking away what you take away from it. I want you to take away the part that just says, I've realized now that being selfish is healthy for a person, even not considering other people in your decisions so you can fully get aware or fully be aware of yourself as a person is a healthy way to go about things so you don't get trapped in a cult. I know people would probably say, well, how is it possible? You know, like, oh, that would never happen to me. Well, I might have said that prior to this happening to me also. And usually the ones that will say that are the very ones that will get caught in it because they don't see the signs. And I didn't see the signs. I didn't really know what red flags were. (laughs) So... Well, I hope this helps. And in the next episode, we'll we'll take the next, um, I'll share more and yeah, there you go. And also here is a litmus test. Ask yourself if the person calling you selfish is benefiting when you're being selfless. If they are. They don't have your best interest in mind and are being selfish themselves. So how is a person who's being selfish calling someone else selfish? I say it takes one to know one. And the same question that I asked at the beginning, I'm going to ask you to ask yourself again, is being selfish really all that bad? This is Kara Lachlan, and stay tuned for the next episode of Have Your Cake and Eat It Too.